Uh, I was so excited about last week. I was so excited about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So many people came up to be filled and to, uh, to receive the baptism. And I just want to encourage those that we did pray for. Uh, when we laid hands on you, you received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Amen? And that language will come. I pray that you encur- I encourage you to just get alone with God and just get alone with him and be in your quiet place and seek him and watch him work and watch him do what he does. Don't, don't get up in your head. Don't get up in your mind and start thinking about it and all this other stuff. Just let the spirit flow as you begin to open your mouth and pray. It says in Acts 2, 4, it says they were all filled with the spirit and began to speak with tongues as the spirit gave them utterance. Every one of them. And it was interesting thing is everyone who we prayed for, I gave this book to, and it says it's Why Tongues. It's by Kenneth Hagin, but it gives these 10 reasons 10 reasons, and I encourage each of you who have that prayer language this week to pray more in that language. And I can tell you what, I use my prayer language this week more than I think I have in like months combined. Church, this, this is powerful stuff. Listen to the benefits of speaking tongues. Number one, it's the initial sign of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Number two, it's for spiritual edification. Spiritual edification. All during the week. Number three, reminds us of the Spirit's indwelling presence within our life. Number four, praying in tongues is praying in line with God's perfect will. It's praying in line with His perfect will. When we are blah, 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 saying, 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 and we have nothing more to say, He begins to take over. He begins to, we, he begins to take over our language. Number five, praying in tongues stimulates faith. Hallelujah. Speaking in tongues means keeping free from worldly contamination. Oh, man. When we are speaking in our prayer language, it keeps us from worldly contamination. And as I was sharing last week even, too, when when temptation comes, the first thing we need to turn to is that prayer language in our life. We begin to just speak that language because a lot of times you're like, I don't know what else to do. I can't remember any scriptures right now. All this stuff is happening. But when we just open our mouth and say, Lord, just I need, I need you, I need you, you begin to speak in tongues and pray that prayer language. It keeps us from worldly contamination. Number seven was praying in tongues enables us to pray for the unknown. Hallelujah. Number eight, praying in tongues gives us spiritual refreshing. Number nine, praying in tongues is for giving thanks. And speaking in tongues brings the tongue, listen to this, under subjection. Yeah? (laughs) Oh my gosh. Speaking in tongues brings the tongue under subjection. Man. And then we talked a little bit about the public side of tongues uh, during a church service and then the interpretation of tongues. But I was just so fired up. This week, man, I used that. I know I said I had a tough week, right? I think I said that earlier, and it was, it was some difficult things. But I'll tell you what, God just was working and moving uh, in my life and in the life of this church, and I'm excited about it. So the other thing that he, he really began to put on my heart, and I'm going to turn to Galatians 5. We're going to get there here in just a minute. And we're doing a series called The Holy Spirit. I want to share a couple things with you this morning. And I I really started to ask the Lord, like, okay, why why are we doing this series on the Holy Spirit? And why are we going to be doing a series next on called Erie Christian Fellowship Church in the last days? And why did we do series before on identity? Why do we do series on the believer's authority? Like, what is it, Lord, that you, like, why, why? 
And he began to orchestrate this thing, and he began to tell me some things. He began to cast a vision, really, for this church. Now, I've talked about the vision of the church. I've talked about, uh, if you haven't heard it, about the cross that goes across Route 90 and down Route 79. And there's like this beacon of light of Jesus Christ coming out of Erie, reaching all of the dark places that are across these two major highways. He showed me all the places that we lived and where we grew up uh, in Erie of the West. I mean, it was like it made the cross. And then I did the calculation of all the county's population, of all these things, and it was like almost exactly a million people. And of course, this church was founded on to reach a million people for Jesus Christ. And I just was so excited. But over the course of time, if you don't keep that vision in front of you, you begin, right, without vision, the people begin to perish. I'm starting to ask the Lord, what is it that you want? What is it that you want? And he began to tell me this. He says, I want a church that can feed themselves. I want a church that can worship themselves. I want a church that can hear the Holy Spirit for themselves. I want a church that knows how to share the gospel themselves. I want a church that can disciple someone themselves. I want a church where the gifts are flourishing and people are walking in their calling. I want a church that has people involved in each other's lives. I want a church that's not focused on themselves, but on others. And I just started writing this down going, whoa. And it began to clarify for me and for us our responsibility as pastors as is to equip you to be able to do those things. And as I look back, I saw some of those threads through those sermon series on how he was beginning to equip us. But I can just let you know that I'm going to amp up. I am going to begin to amp up this intentionality of equipping you to do the work of the ministry. Right, okay, that's a biblical thing in Ephesians. That's, it actually gives my job description in there. Thank you, Lord. I don't have to go look for it or Google it. It's actually there in the Bible. I have my job description. But it's to equip you to do the work of the ministry. Because what I'm realizing more and more as we're working through these last days is you have to be able to know how to worship on your own. You have to be able to know how to read the word of God on your own and not have to turn on you know, to Facebook Live to Jason and Liz Ackerman. It is not about us. It cannot be about us. It cannot be about only getting fed on Sunday morning church. It cannot be about that. Because there will be a time, and I don't know when, there will be a day where you cannot flip on the TV and find John Hagee. You can't flip on the TV and see Kenneth Copeland or whoever else that you might ascribe to their teaching. You have to understand how to dissect and understand and learn the word of God on your own. And I have to help you do that. And I will have failed if I did not help you do that. And I said, Lord, just continue to show me that this is the direction. This is the path to equip, to equip these. Because I'll tell you what, church, there, there will be a time, and I don't know when we'll see it. But there will be a time where you have to know how to do church yourself. There will be a time where you have to know how to do it yourself. And there won't be somebody available to spoon feed you the information. It is, God has placed teachers in the church and pastors and evangelists. And I'm not saying that those gifts go away. But what I'm actually beginning to believe is that those gifts move from up here that we're idolizing a bunch of men and a bunch of women and what they say and ascribe to what they're doing to those gifts being developed right here in the local church. 
pastors, prophets, evangelists, teachers, right here in small groups, in small areas where we are learning and God is showing us. Showing us these gifts. Showing us the, the, the five-fold ministry. You don't have to get paid and be in five-fold ministry. Like, I don't know, like, we guess the Western world sometimes it just blows my mind on how backwards sometimes we have things. And he wants this. And, and so this morning, I'm just like, it's about discipleship. It's about discipleship. It's about discipleship. And I've been studying and reading on discipleship. And that's going to start being weaved in through every one of our, our messages and our sermon series. Like how to actually meditate and study the word of God. Because if the internet shut down and there was a lock on the church door and you couldn't find anything else, what would you do? Do you know what you would do? Do you know what you would do? A lot of you might know what you're going to do. A lot of you might be sitting there saying, I don't know what I would do. Do I just pick up the Bible and just start reading randomly? What what do I do? And so we need to equip you as as leaders of this church. We need to equip you and disciple. So I have this this example this morning. Uh, Every morning I go on a prayer walk. And uh, usually I go a little bit longer on Sunday mornings than I go for a prayer walk. And as I was walking out the door, Jairus is standing in the family room, or he's sitting in the family room, with his green, green pajamas. And I'm talking green. I mean, they are like bright green pajamas. He says, Dad, can I go on the walk with you? And my initial response was just like, buddy, you know, it's Sunday. I got to get my head ready for church. You know, and I have to get, I've just got to get my spirit ready. I need to begin to pray and I just need to do all these things. And I was like, you know what? Maybe tomorrow, maybe tomorrow. And I started walking out the door. And the Lord was just like, did I not just tell you about discipleship? Did I not just tell you about training and equipping those who you put in your care? And it was just like I opened the Anna might have been there. Like I opened the door, I walked out, and I did one of these. And I walked back in, and I said, Jairus, put your shoes on. I don't care if you have bright green pajamas on. We're going for a prayer walk. And he and I walked the neighborhood. He was quiet. I was praying. He was holding my hand. And we were just praying for church. We were praying for families. We were praying for all kinds of different things. And the Lord just showed me that that is discipleship. It's right there. It's right in front of you. And I'm encouraging you parents. I'm encouraging you parents who are watching online. You're like, why don't you have kids ministry yet? Why don't you have all of this open so that it can be convenient for me? So that I can... Because he is calling us parents to train and equip our children. Like, I am very reluctant to just launch kids ministry back up again because I just don't feel like that's what God wants us to do right now. He is challenging us as parents. It is difficult. It is hard. And you say, my kid doesn't sit still. It's okay if they don't sit still for a couple weeks and they're a little rowdy. How else will they learn and know unless you begin to disciple them? How else will Jairus know what happens on my prayer walk unless I take him on the prayer walk with me? Unless I take him. Who are, who are you discipling in your Who are you bringing along with you? Parents, you should be bringing your kids along during this time. Amen. This is the time. This is the time. Oh, okay. Galatians 5, <laughs> verse 16. It says, I say then, walk in the Spirit. And you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit, 
and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another. So that you do not do the things that you wish. Can I read that again? <laughs> oh, this, sometimes this stuff is a little challenging. Yeah? Amen? I'll tell you, the Christian walk and Christian life, it is challenging. It is cha- if, you're not cha- if you don't feel challenged in your Christian walk, then I'm not sure where you're walking to. Honestly. This is a constant battle between, you think like we all, that's it, I got total victory over the flesh every single day for the rest of my life. Well, I'd like to meet you and discuss how that happened or how that worked. This is a constant battle. We are in constant battle against the flesh. This is what, this is what it's talking about. This is what Paul is saying right here. Seven, verse 17 again. For the flesh lusts against the spirit. They're actually contrary to one another. It's like this battle, like UFC, ultimate fighting championship, right? Now, the spirit can ultimately win the battle, but the spirit has to be trained. You know what I mean? Your spirit has to be trained because this is a battle that we're working in. We're, it's like we're in an octagon, baby. I don't watch UFC. It seems violent. You know, I'm not going to get into that right now. Okay? It's like we're in an octagon. This, come on, there's no way out here. There's no escape route. It's, it, we have to fight the battle. This is how I fight my battles. We have to begin to build up our spirit, man, to win the battle against the flesh. Look at this. For the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. It's like this battle, boom, boom. And these things are contrary to one another. And so we have to do this. We have to walk in the spirit so that we don't do the things that we wish. If you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. This battle between the two. This walking in the spirit means we're moving forward. If you are stagnant and you're not moving deeper in Christ, I believe you begin to succumb to the flesh. This is a constant walk, a constant battle. And you know, how many times do you hear of a Christian who, who we believe has been a Christian for a long time, and then seemingly, suddenly, they had this terrible fall? I don't believe that it was suddenly. This Christian walk of ours is made up of a lot of choices, a lot of small choices that we make day by day. This is a day-by-day walk. This is a marathon. This is not a sprint where we just get up and say, okay, I'm going to go sprint my 15, you know, 50 yards, whatever it is, and then I'm done for the day. I'm good. I'm good for the week. I don't need any more of Jesus. I got the Holy Spirit. I'm going to come just on Sunday morning and hear a message, you know, and Pastor Jason's going to run around and throw his hands up in the air, and we're going to have great prophetic words and this great worship. Do you understand that that is not enough? It's not enough. It is not enough. By example, I can tell you it's not enough. And if you think it's enough, I don't care what your age is, it's not enough. Because our Christian walk is this day-by-day challenge that we're walking through. I picture this thing as, you know, so we don't do, you know, those things that we wish in the flesh. I pictured it like a hungry dog trying to get after a food dish. I mean, sometimes our flesh just wants to watch that show, wants to do this, wants to lash out against somebody, wants to do all this stuff, and it's like we're like holding on to the, you ever see somebody go for a walk with like a really big dog? You know, and I picture there's like this, this food that's right there, right? and you're like trying to hold this dog back, yeah? 
And this battle that we have is, if you're not strengthened, if you're not ready, that dog is going to tear you apart. It's going to rip you along the way. It's going to drag you everywhere that it wants to go. And you know what happens when it gets to that dog food? It devours it. It devours it. You can't, it's like you can't even pull it off then. That's it. And so what we have to do is in our daily walk, in our spiritual, we have to constantly know that we are in this battle against the flesh. And constantly, I'm going to give you some things to do, practical things to do, that we are constantly in this battle against the flesh. And the funny thing is, it's like, you know, we're here trying to starve the flesh, and the flesh just wants some more. And so, I mean, you're really, right, if you took the dog and starved it for a while and then put the food in front of it, it's difficult. And sometimes, sometimes we fail. (laughs) You don't have to raise your hands. No amens on that one. I'll just give you the amen for y'all collectively. Sometimes we mess it up. Sometimes we fail. But God redeems. Amen? God redeems, he redeems, he redeems. Verse 19. Now the works of the flesh are evident. This this work of the flesh is evident. Oh my gosh. You know, this is like a journey, guys. This is a journey. If, If you are able to watch the same TV shows today that you felt comfortable watching two years ago, you have to begin to question, are, yeah, are you growing? Because there are shows that I actually I can't believe we used to watch. Like, oh my gosh. I can't believe I used to watch that. And the Holy Spirit will convict if you ask him to show you, to lead you, to guide you. But if you are not at a point where you, you need to ask yourself, why am I not growing? Why am I not when I see something that is clearly against God, clearly against his word, clearly desensitizing me to the things of the word of God that we don't say, I'm going to shut that thing off right now. I'm not saying I'm perfect. I'm just saying that we need to continually be moving forward. Look at these works of the flesh. They're evident. Adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies. It's like, can the list keep going? It can. There's more. 21, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. Of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Yikes. Verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit. We're talking about the Holy Spirit in this series. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Look at that. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh. An action we have to actually go do. Crucifying the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. And let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. So let's look at this fruit of the Spirit. How does this fruit of the Spirit germinate? Everything, every, every piece of fruit germinates with a seed, right? It germinates. It's something that gets planted. And when you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit plants itself on the inside. And there are seeds of this fruit that are available and ready to grow. Okay? 
This, this is how it germinates. It germinates when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. You say, but I see people in the world that, you know, walk with some of these things. Well, they walk by that by personality, by whatever other way. But we walk by that not by our personality. We walk this way because the Spirit enables us to walk this way. This ground, listen to this, this ground is made pliable and gets tilled because of repentance. The initial asking of Jesus Christ of your, as your Lord and Savior is because you admitted that you were a sinner and that you needed to repent from those sins. That repentance is what is able to have the Holy Spirit allowed to come in and begin to plant those seeds. So it all starts with repentance. You're like, I've not seen this before. Like, I, you know, I think I've, I've heard, you know, the fruit of the Spirit's not a coconut. The fr- like, I mean, there's these songs that my kids sing, and I'm not going to sing them, and they're fun, to, they're fun to sing about. But when you really dig into it, the actual planting of those seeds comes from repentance. And then at the same time, to have a life living of repentance is what allows the ground to stay fertile, the ground to stay tilled, the ground to stay, to stay soft, so that that fruit can continue to grow. It can continue to grow. And so this act of coming to the Lord in repentance is actually what begins to lead to the growth of these other fruit, of this fruit. You're like, well, wait a second. I didn't realize that, that, that repentance is like this key fundamental thing here. So how do they grow? Look, it takes time. Fruit doesn't just happen overnight. If it did, that would be great. But it doesn't. It doesn't happen overnight. These, this fruit in our lives needs to be growing more and more and more. Like I said, if you have self-control, if you're not better in self-control you know, like now than you were a couple of years ago, you have to say, okay, Lord, what is preventing What do I need to repent of? What do I need to do and change in my life in order to be able to see more of this fruit evident in my life? So how do they grow? They grow in times of difficulty. (laughs) They grow in times of challenge. So many times this fruit, the stuff we're going through as a nation, as a country, as a people, as everything, this this fruit should be growing and becoming more and more evident in our life right now. Pruning. Pruning. It comes from pruning, which means cutting things off uh, that seemingly looked good. That show wasn't that bad. But it begins to prune things in our life in order to, to build the core up even more. Uh, Randy Ruth is not here. Some of you like know landscaping and stuff like that. So Randy Ruth was looking at a tree, and I was with him, and we were standing there. And he said, you see how all of these branches that are really far off from the core, from the center... You see how those things are taking away the nutrients from the core of that tree. And I was just like, well, yeah, I can kind of see that. I didn't think much about it. And I went, I went home to our house, and I looked at one of our, our it's a, called a pear tree. What is it called? A Cleveland, a Cleveland Select pear tree. Okay, the Cleveland Select. It's right in our backyard. And I'm looking at this tree, and I'm just like, well, this tree has... Like all these things that are way out there, and it really looks like it needs pruned, but it looks really healthy. From the outside, the tree looks really healthy. And as I was walking outside, I kid you not, the wind, I mean, the wind was already blowing, but a little bit of a gust of wind came, and it blew through that tree. 
And it was like the tree split almost wide open. And what was revealed to me was that the inside, the core of that tree was actually somewhat hollow. Because we have allowed all these things on the outside, which looked good, to continue to make the fruit and to be fruitful out here. When the storm came, when the wind came, what was clearly evident to me that the tree was not as healthy on the inside. And I gave this example a couple weeks ago about the tea bag. And I'm going to give you the example again because it resonates along with that tree. When, when you are in hot water, when you are in hot, when a tea bag is dipped in hot water, when we are dipped in hot water, when we have a challenge or difficult times come at us, what comes out of our tea bag? And if you notice, what comes out of the tea bag is what someone intentionally put in the tea bag. Whatever flavor it was, whatever, whatever spices and herbs and leaves that were put into that tea bag is what comes out. So I'm challenging us this morning, what are you putting into your tea bag? What are the things that are on your, li- on your limbs of your tree that are way out there that need pruned, that need cut off? And the Holy Spirit will begin to reveal those things to you because when the wind blows, you want, your, you want yourself to be that tree that is not going to be affected by that storm that comes. And when you're in hot water, you want your tea flavor to be something that people can swallow. (laughs) Right? None of us want to be the bitter tea. Right? You ever have like a bitter tea? You're like, oh. In hot water, sometimes we can become bitter, a bitter tea. So how do they grow? What can we do? I've got a couple things that I I, I just want to share. You can write these things down. Um, So I started making a list of all these things. I got to like seven or eight, and I was like, Lord, this is too many things for people to remember. It needs to be a three-point sermon. This is what they tell us. I'm kidding. I might even do four just for for fun. But as he began to align, each of these things is represented in these three major categories. Number one, for us to grow in the fruit of the Spirit, for us to see growth in our life in these areas, number one, we have to align our spirit with his spirit. We have to align it. If you're not aligned with his spirit, how is the spirit going to grow? How do we do that? By praying in tongues. By praying in general. Aligning our spirit with his spirit. Number two, we have to position our hearts. We have to position our hearts. How do we do this? We have to feed our hearts the word of God. Now, I know feeding, feeding the word of God affects our spirit and our body at the same time. What the Lord began to show me is that, I think Pastor Jim used to say this all the time, we are a spirit, we have a soul, and we live in a body. And these three things that I'm giving you represent what we need to do in our spiritual self, what we need to do in our soul, and then what we need to do in our actual body in order to see the gifts of the, or the, or the fruit of the spirit grow. So our spirit, we have to align our spirit with his spirit by prayer, by praying in tongues, by aligning our spirit. And then from our soul perspective, which is our mind, our will, and our emotions, we have to feed it this. We have to feed it the word of God. If you are not feeding on the word of God, you can't look at the fruit of the spirit and say, I don't understand why I'm not growing in the fruit of the spirit. Why am I not growing in the fruit of the spirit? Are you growing in the word of God? 
Are you digging into the word? We've already talked about this this morning. It's like we already preached the message. I'm just kind of giving like the recap of what already happened. What are you feeding yourself? What are you feeding on? I started getting into the news again this week. Remember I told you I was fast in the news? I made it to Wednesday. Couldn't do it anymore. I couldn't do it anymore. I got to Wednesday, and I started feeling my mind, my will, my emotions. I started feeding on it. I started thinking about it. It started stressing me out. I started getting concerned and worried. And it was just like, hey, how about the message that you're going to give on Sunday? How about live that out there, Pastor Jason, right? You know, it's just like, he doesn't really talk to me that way uh, in such a sarcastic voice. He's usually much more gentle than that. So that was just a, like a, my illustration of it. But he reminds us a lot of times, hey, what are you feeding it? What are you feeding your spiritual man? What are you feeding your mind and your will and your emotions if you need to feed them something that is sweet and that is good for it, not something that is bitter? Then the last one we have to do is we have to crucify the flesh. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I can read the word of God. Yes, I can pray. But wait a second. I have to crucify my flesh too? Yeah, we just read the scripture. We have to crucify them. What does that mean by crucifying the flesh? I, I see this as a couple things. Number one, don't despise the pruning. Don't despise the pruning that God does in your life as he's working on things. Number two, we have to live a life of fasting. We actually have to get this body in line with his word. I think more so than we actually are doing. And then the last one is, I love this, I just heard this the other day, I cannot take credit for it, but it's be where your feet are. Sometimes it feels like you're crucifying the flesh when the Lord is asking you to be where your feet are. Like, Pastor Jason, what are you talking about? Because if you are not in the moment, in the place where God has placed you, look at Jesus' life. He was never looking past somebody somewhere else to go somewhere. He was always ministering to those who were right in front of him. He also was never in a hurry. That's another sermon. Okay? But he was ministering. The, he was. Jesus was where his feet were. If you were at home, dads, then be at home. Get off of your phone. If you're going to be with your kids, then be with your kids. If you're going to be at work, then be at work. If you're going to be in your prayer time, then be in your prayer time. What happens is, is we're always distracted. We're always distracted with this little device or whatever else that happens to come along in our lives. And how can you have the fruit of the Spirit? How can you have patience for this beautiful little two-year-old when you're over here doing this? Okay, hold on. Come on, guys. Hold on, just one second. Moms too, right? You're just, you're like, I just have to check, I just have to send this one. I just, We have to crucify the flesh and say, you know what? I need to be where I am. And I was practicing it this week. Oh no, it's so hard. Sometimes it's so hard, but, but the per- what if I got the text and I have to get back to them? Who says you have to respond to a text within 30 seconds of getting it? Like, what, who made the rule up? It's okay if it takes five minutes because you're with somebody and you're ministering to somebody and you're talking to somebody. This is crucifying the flesh because the flesh, like the dog, you know, wants, you know, wants to get to the thing that the flesh wants to get to. The next thing, whatever it is. Now, this is partly my personality. I get that. But everybody struggles 
everybody struggles with not being where your feet are. Could we just remember that this week? To grow in the fruit, be where your feet are. Just be there. Don't be somewhere else. Be right there. The Bible says that we have to be intentional because the days are evil. Because they're constantly trying to distract us to something else. To go somewhere else. To be somewhere else. And we're missing what is right in front of us. So how do we grow in the fruit of the Spirit? We have to align our spirit with Him. We have to crucify our flesh. And we have to position our hearts. Position our hearts. Worship team, if you can come back up here. I got two other messages I'm not going to give them. It's like 12 o'clock. It's okay. And here's what the Lord began to show me. It says, you know, this fruit of the Spirit, if you look at Jesus' life, he was the perfect example of this everywhere that he went. He was the perfect example everywhere that he went. So this morning, as we're going to go back into just one more worship song, kind of a call to action this morning. If this message resonated with you in any way, any shape, any form, of how we can be more intentional about growing in the fruit of the Spirit, through the time in the Word, through aligning our spirits, through crucifying the flesh, whatever it is. I can't, right, I told you in the beginning, my job is to equip you. I don't want you to leave here without having the opportunity to make that commitment between you and the Lord. To say, I'm going to be more intentional about growing in this fruit. And the interesting thing is the intentionality about growing in the fruit is not saying, okay, I'm going to be more patient today. Notice, I didn't give that as any of the examples of how to grow in patience. It wasn't to wake up and say, Lord, because if you pray that prayer, Lord, help you. Because <laughs> he brings ways for you to have to have more patience in your life. But what I'm saying here is if we can dig into the word of God, begin to pray in our spirit language, we begin to crucify the flesh and see the things that are in our life that have to be removed by the power of the Holy Spirit and our partnership with Him, we begin to have evidence of the fruit of the Spirit in our life. Love, joy. Come on, church. Anybody lacking joy? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Imagine Imagine walking through life with this. I believe that you can. I believe the Holy Spirit wants that in your life. How do you want to come up? Before we call people up, if you've got something you want to share. I just know that I've never been able to grow fruit in your garden. Mm. That when I'm paying attention to the soil in other people's garden... This is about tilling my ground. This is about going deeper in the word with him about me. And, you know, 
with the way the world is today, with social media, everyone has the opportunity. We all feel like, well, don't I have a responsibility to? You don't have a responsibility to go out until he calls you, until it's almost disobedience for me not to speak. Because it begins in our own garden. And this is just for parents especially. Man, we are, we are guilty of this. You know, um, we'd come home from a message or God would be working on our hearts and we'd be like, that's it, guys, from now on. And we go right to them. Right. From now on, there's no technology Monday through Friday. We collect all their stuff. <laughs> but, you know, behind closed doors, we're just like, well, you know, it's work. We've got to. You know, <laughs> right. so we begin to apply some things that God's speaking to our own hearts to other people first or in a more strict way than to our own selves, because we're very understanding about our own. Well, you know, I was going to do that, but we're very quick. That's just human. That's human nature. It's human psychology. It's, I mean, we are very quick to have the understanding of our intimate reasons as to why we're not, we're not growing, but we hold other people. We hold other people to the line. Well, you just need to do this. So I just want to encourage you this morning, you know, This message is for you. It's just for you. God wants to do a work in each one of us. And then by the power of his Holy Spirit, the influence that he begins to to have through you will grow. It will grow. You know, Pastor Jason has never, thank you, Jesus, He has never woken up one day and said, that's it. This family will go on prayer walks. We are going to pray more. Every day I want everyone down here and ready to go. He goes at 6.30 a.m. every day. We're going to do it because it's the right thing to do. He has never done that. And I say thank you, Jesus, because it's not going to go well, and it's not going to produce the fruit that he would think that it was going to produce. It wouldn't work, at least not long term. But he goes for prayer walks every day at 6.30. And now guess what? His son wants to go. And his children are going to grow up knowing that that's what their dad did to meet with the Lord. And he made it a priority. He does it by example because he did it first with himself. I'm not up here to elevate him. It's just the example I used. Because, and I thank Jesus because I'm asleep at 6.30 and I'm asleep at 7.30 and I may be up at 8.30. You know? But I don't demand that everyone pray at 10 p.m. every night. That's what I'm just, I just want to make that clear. And the Lord spoke to me this week about this. Um, Jesus walked, he was perfect. He was perfect, but he was in that moment. And he showed mercy and love. And he is the goodness of God that draws men to repentance. So I just wanted to encourage you. In that, this was such a good message. I usually wait until we're in the car to tell you that this was so good. I'm down there taking notes. I don't know what he's going to preach on before he preaches. I stay out of it. It's it's between him and the Lord. I don't give I don't give guidance. I don't give my opinion. I don't give my opinion because it's not my responsibility. If you don't have responsibility in an area, you should have no opinion. Practice that. Your opinion should be toward your own life and the people God has put under you that is your responsibility we are responsible for this country and for this nation and for the amount that you pray that's the amount of opinion you can have in things to the extent that we have prayer and that our heart breaks okay now I'm just Amen. preaching a different message Wrapping so guys up. we're gonna, I know it's late but you know what you know, we really felt like 
coming out of this coronavirus thing that we're going to, church is going to be different on the other side. And church is already different, right? It's two hours, there's kids running around, there's no kids ministry. I'm challenging you to have a different personal walk. So we're going to sing this one more song. If you absolutely have to go, that's fine, I get it. But if you feel like the Lord's speaking to you this morning and says, you know, I'm making a commitment today. I want more of the fruit of the Spirit. I want to align my spirit. I want to crucify my flesh. I want to make sure my heart is prepared for him to do a work in my life. Then just come up to the altar. I don't even think we're praying for you today. Just come up to the altar, do business with him, and then I'll send you home. How about we do that? All right, let's worship him. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, our living hope. Our living hope. I don't know if you guys know this or not, but a lot of times I'm up here and I feel as though as a father over this congregation. And my heart is just that you, as any parent would, to be able to go out there and to fight those battles and to see victory and to be able to read the Word of God and understand the Word of God. That is my heart for you as a church. I want to equip you. I want to do a better job at it. I want to equip you to do the work of the ministry. To have a walk with Him that is your own and not based on what I say or what Liz says, or, but a walk that is your own with Him. Because as every parent wants that for their own child. I want that for each and every person in this church. So I'm going to read this benediction over you guys, Romans 15. It says, Now may the God of patience and comfort grant you to be like-minded towards one another according to Christ Jesus, that you may be with one mind and one mouth glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you for what you're doing. We love you. We worship you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. There will be some people that can pray with you up here. If you hadn't had enough, you can get a little more prayer here. Otherwise, you guys are dismissed, and we will see you guys next week or Saturday night, worship night.